Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Get Up 10. And if you don't know by now, Get Up 10 is very much a come as you are, go with the flow kind of podcast. That being said, when I bring guests on here, I don't give them a time frame or anything. I really just let them say what they got to say. So some people come in, do what they got to do and leave. And other people really come and we hang out and we unpack and we kiki and we just talk, talk, talk until we can't no more. And so that being said, this week's guest is very special and she definitely came to unpack some things. So this will be a two-part episode because I really want you guys to be able to take in her story and all of the gems and tangible advice that she comes to give. So that being said, this week's guest is Princess Millens, empowerment speaker, author, educational consultant. She is the founder of and CEO of Blessed and Beautiful International, which serves individuals and organizations with services for social, emotional wellness, and grief. Princess is also the host of Restore My Soul podcast, which has real conversations that teach and empower listeners to encourage them in their emotional healing journey. She believes that grief is a journey, but we do not have to take it alone. And we definitely talked about grief and the many forms that it can take on and what comes along with grief because that is her that's her calling so i really wanted to share this episode because i just think that it's great timing as we come into the holidays i know it can be hard for a lot of people and so i really hope that these two episodes will help to equip you to better handle the holidays if you're missing a loved one this year and maybe you don't have much experience with grief like me you know i know death is a part of life but i have not by the grace of god experienced much death in my life just yet And so for me, I'm taking notes for the future. I know that when that when those times come, those hard times come, I'm going to have this episode to listen to. And so that being said, wherever you are in your relationship with death and grief and all that kind of stuff, I hope that this episode will help you out. And on top of grief, we also touched a little bit on divorce. So come in, have a seat. Take what you need, take notes, and I really hope this conversation blesses you. So let's get into it with Princess Millens. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here with Princess Millens today. How are you? Welcome to Get Up 10 Podcast. I am wonderful. Thank you for having me today. I'm so excited. I say this on every episode because I literally am excited about every episode, but (laughs) I'm looking forward to getting into today's discussion. Um, I know that you have an amazing, powerful story, so I already know this t- This discussion is going to be a blessing to somebody, but I always like to let people know, because it might be somebody's first time listening, or even for you, just so you're more familiar with Get Up 10. So Get Up 10 is all about resilience, it's all about authenticity, it's all about ambition, and just getting back up when life knocks you down. That's That's what it's about. Knock me down nine times, I get up 10. Yes. So I'm sure that you know a thing or two about life knocking you down. So when you think back on your life story, how has life knocked you down? Life have knocked me down in so many ways. Um, Too many to count. Uh, But uh, throughout my life, 
I have uh, undergone a lot of grief and loss in my life. Um, when I was about 35 years old, that's when I lost my mom. And that was my first year teaching. And it was just so rough. It was so rough um, because I lost my mom. And um, later, late years later, I was in a 20-year relationship, 14-year marriage, and it it just it it dis it's, it dismantled. Okay, <laughs> it just dismantled uh, over the course of probably about five years, and um, that really took a toll on me as well. But the the thing that people um, that follow me in the last few years, they know my testimony of when my son passed away. He passed away in October, 2018, and he was 20 years old. So um, that of course is a mother's nightmare to be able to uh, bury their child uh, that has so much just full of life, uh, full of uh, joy, full of expectations, uh, full of, uh, of things to do. You know what I'm saying? Things to do mm -hmm. in life. So those are just a few of the things that I've actually had to bounce back from because when we go through grief and loss, it is um, it takes a tremendous toll on us in every aspect of grief. It's more than just emotional and mental. People don't realize that it affects, it affects every area of your life, right? Um, you know, it has, what happens to you physically? What happens to you uh, spiritually? You know, what happens to you financially? Because um, <laughs> I'm telling you, grief will hit that too. And you don't realize that the behavior sometimes that you do, it affect every single area of your life. And so, you know, for me, I kept going. I tried to keep going. I tried to continue to go. When I was in school, I, I continued to go to school. I continued to go to work. I continued to be a mom. I continued to still be a wife at that time when I was after my mom passed away. Um, but it brought a level of burnout uh, of what uh, clinically is called complicated grief. When you have grief on top of grief on top of grief and all of these things uh, wear you out at some point if you don't deal with it. So I'm a big advocate of um, making sure that we are emotionally and mentally well. That means if you need to get a therapist, like I did, you need to get a therapist, right? And so, um, but there, there, those are the three, I would say the biggest things in my life that I've had to, um, to push through and to, and to persevere through. Those are huge. Like those are big punches to the gut for real. And first of all, I'm sorry for your loss losses that's a lot to go through for sure and I know like even though these losses might have happened a few years ago like there's it still affects you so I don't want to just pretend like okay this was a long time ago like no like I want to pause and like honor what you have gone through so you, okay we got <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> where are you going we got lots to unpack so Let's start with your mom, losing your mom. So I think I forget that you're a teacher. <laughs> did you? 
I don't even know because I think because when I think of you I think about like overcoming grief and you know emotional wellness and burnout because that's what I know you for the same way that like you didn't know that I was a nurse when we talked right yeah so how did you get into teaching I actually I fell into teaching I actually teaching chased me down if you asked me as a child what I wanted to be it was going to be a teacher it was going to be a teacher or a doctor one of those two right and so that's the words that came out of my mouth as a child but when I graduated from high school and all of that I did everything but go into the field of what we call traditional teaching but I went into the business I went into the corporate America so I um, began to uh, do the job there, but it's it's crazy how no matter where I am, no matter where I was, I was teaching something. So even on, in the corporate America, I would be uh, training on certain things. I would be teaching other people how to do certain jobs and things like that. Uh, it was just a part of my fabric. Um, and so when the, the corporate America, when that came to an end and I was just kind of, you know, resting in between my children were small and I began to volunteer at the schools, you know, cause what else was I doing? So I volunteered at the schools and, uh, loved it. I began substitute teaching. Right. And so when I was even volunteering, a, a teacher came up to me and said, you're good at this. You need to, you need to, you need to do more. <laughs> and so I began to substitute teach. And most of that was elementary grades, first, second, um, kindergarten, third grade, you know, and I really liked it there. I really liked it there. Um, and I began a long-term term substitute teaching in a, in a pre-K, in a kindergarten classroom and so the the assignment was just substitute teaching when the when the teachers were out then I came in well this particular paraprofessional uh she had been out and I think she had been sick and she passed away and so they asked me to stay long term and so I did and they asked me back the next year and I did so I wasn't a full teacher then, but I was a, a kindergarten paraprofessional and I was in there and I was still teaching. That's why I keep saying I fell into it because and it chased me down because the very thing that I said I was going to do, even in childhood, it came right back full circle. So even that experience in the uh, paraprofessional and I got uh, a fire for teaching uh, in my own classroom. And um, I, I just went out there and I was uh, hired and I they, they didn't accept me in the elementary school. That's where I wanted to go. I wanted to teach fourth and fifth grade and uh, my credentials, they, they said it wouldn't match up. I would have to get a whole nother degree in order to go to the elementary school. And I wasn't doing that, of course. So I, I began to teach in the middle school. So I taught middle school math. Uh, for about nine years and I went to high school and I finished the career there. So I was in the classroom for about 20 years teaching uh, mathematics, middle and high school. 
So that's kind of how I got started with it. But again, you know, my mom passed away my first year of teaching in my own classroom. That was back in 2004, right? And so, I mean, it was first semester, right? Right, right before Christmas break, right before Christmas break. Uh, and we buried her two days before Christmas. And so, um, you know, it was very, very difficult that year, not only being a first year teacher, but also losing my mom at a critical stage. You know, I was married. I had my children. I was just getting really started with life at 35 or whatever. And, you know, that that tragic, tragic thing happened. Uh, her health began to decline and um, she passed away you know, and I, 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 and you know, that's how I got into teaching and I, I still love it. I still love teaching. I still love it. So even though I'm not in the classroom, right. I still find myself doing that, just that no matter where I am. First of all, I don't even know why I'm saying first of all, cause I have a whole, I mean, I do have a whole list of things to say, but <laughs> I feel like I'm always saying that, but wow. Okay. So teach, I wanted to say that teaching is a calling that I believe that through and through um it's biblical and so that's your call that was your calling so when God has called you to something can go and do whatever you want but no escape. yeah <laughs> um so that is definitely your calling and then did you say you said in your classroom so like did your mom pass away in your classroom or you got the news in your classroom while you were in the class? The, when I was first, um, my first year teaching, uh, she didn't pass away in my classroom. Uh, she passed away in my first year teaching. I got the, the, the new, the first news that she had went into the hospital when I was teaching in my classroom. Okay. And so, um, but, uh, long story short, she was gone in about three weeks. Um, oh, wow. and actually she passed away in my arms. You know how, uh, the Bible says that Jesus, when Jesus died, he gave up the ghost. <laughs> I felt her spirit leave her body. Wow. Holding there as she passed away. And so, um, of course, that that is also, um, it can be a traumatic experience as well, right? And so not only did she pass away, but she passed away as I was holding her in my arms, you know? And so that was another thing, another layer of her uh, passing away that I kind of had to to push through and to make sure that I uh, bounce back from it. Yeah. So by the grace of God, my time has not come yet to lose a parent, but I have gotten to witness my parents lose their parents over the last few years. And especially last year, my well, last year, within like a few weeks of each other, I lost my grandma and then I lost my uncle, literally wow. December and then January. And so with my grandmother, my aunt and her four, four, five, five, I forgot how many cousins I have. I think it's five. I'm sorry if I'm forgetting somebody. <laughs> my aunt and my cousins were heavily involved along with my dad. Um in the planning of the arrangements, especially because my grandmother raised my cousin. So it, it was more, they were, she was more than a grandma to them. Yeah. And then with my, the loss of my uncle, I was by my mom's side as she 
was making the arrangements for everything. And so I know like losing a loved one can be complicated because it brings family dynamics into play and all this other stuff. So oh. when your mom passed away, like she passed away in your arms. Um, was it just you there? Did you have siblings? Was there, I guess I'm asking like, what was the fi- family dynamics around that loss? Yeah. Um, when she, she came home from the hospital, they were wanting to put her into hospice care and she did not want to do that. She wanted to come home and uh, do it her way. And so we made that happen. And so our family dynamic, I am one of four that is still living, um, um, four brothers. So I am the only girl. I'm the youngest as well. I'm the baby oh, wow. girl. So hence my name, Princess, right? <laughs> and so um, uh, family was around. So uh, one of my brothers was actually there with me. Uh, my dad, of course. Um, we had uh, a minister there as well. And actually he was just kind of coming to visit and everything. You know what I'm saying? And she passed away that day that he was there. So we had a, um, um, it was a great family dynamic because even though my other two brothers were, brothers were not there physically uh, at that particular time, um, we as a family kind of rallied around each other, um, even as the, we, we knew or felt what was the inevitable of her transitioning, right? And so I believe that it's just so important because um, your support system of when you're going through something is very important. The family dynamics of when you lose somebody or somebody passes away, right? Um, It can be tricky. It can be tricky. Um, Sometimes that family dynamic causes uh, confusion. It causes people in the family to fight, you know, uh, or, or or what we call thinking about the wrong things sometimes, you know, thinking about the material things and who's going to get what and all this kind of stuff. And I'll just thank God because uh, that never happened with us. It never happened with my siblings and I or my father, you know. And so, um, but I do know, I've, I've seen with my own eyes how that can kind of be destruct, uh, destructive in a family um for a long time and sometimes people never get over that you know what i'm saying and that yeah. brings on another a level of grief because you know you don't have to lose somebody through death to grieve that that thing right yeah that's one thing i learned as i go through life is that cuz as a kid you learn grieving is the loss of somebody but as i get older i i and more aware that grief comes in many different forms. Does. Yeah. So, all right, let's go back to, so you're teaching, your mom passed away. Um, I'm, I want to say as a nurse, because I think nursing also shifted my perspective on death and dying because it's very much a part of nursing. You're caring, caring for people on a spectrum, whether they just came into this world or they're on their way out. And yeah. so that gave me a new perspective and experience around death and dying because at at this point in the beginning of my nursing career I hadn't experienced much death um only like the loss of my grandfather so it was 
new for me. Um, so I'm happy to hear that your mother was able to go out in her own way. Because not everybody gets to do that or is able to voice their desires or their wishes. So I'm happy because that's the special way to go out around family and loved ones like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a blessing in itself, honestly. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So let's touch on. I'm. There's so many things we got to touch on. So I don't even I don't even know how to structure this or order this, but I just want to ask you about working and grieving because like I mentioned, I lost my grandfather while I was going through nursing school and I remember locking myself in the bathroom at work and just crying cuz it was a lot. And so you lost your mom, but you were still working and you're starting this new career as a teacher. So how was that? Working and grieving is so hard. And that's why I said it can lead to burnout if you're not careful. And if you don't deal with things um, fairly quickly, you know, I think uh, our response, you know, we have the five uh, stages of grief, right? And one of the first things is denial. And so I think even in our denial of what's going on around us, we deny ourselves the, the 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 revelation that we are pouring from from an empty cup, right? <laughs> We're pouring from an empty cup, and so um, the danger of that is that you know, especially us, you know, as women, you know, we nurture everybody else, you know, we we we. We find time to take care and nurture everybody else. We we show up to work. We show up to school. We show up to church. We show up to, to different things, even though we may be bleeding on the inside. And so as we continue to work like I did, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a certain point, probably more quicker, quicker than, than never, that we're going to realize that I can't do this. And so for me, we, we, um, my mom passed away. We buried her two days before Christmas. We were already on Christmas uh, break, right? At school. And we normally go back right after New Year's. So, you know, I, I, I probably shouldn't have went back after New Year's, just kind of give myself a little time. But I went back in the new year, I went back. So about five days later, right? I went back and I tried to work. I tried to do all the things that I did before. I tried to, you know, continue to smile and everything, continue to work. But of course, um, when you're a classroom teacher, um, you try to, you try your best not to bring whatever you're dealing with into the classrooms to the, to the fact that it will affect the students, right? And then I, I found myself that I was, you know, being frustrated all the time and angry all of the time. And finally, by February, one month later, I was in my principal's office saying, I can't do this. You know, I, I just need some time. Can you just give me some time off? 
blah, blah, blah. He said, well, how much time do you need? See, I've always been blessed to be in a company and under the leadership of some awesome principles that no matter what I was dealing with, no matter what I was struggling with, I could go to their office and they would say, Princess, you know, Ms. Millen, what do you need? Right. And so I was, I'm so um, grateful about that because I went to his office and say, listen, I thought I could do it. I can't. So he gave me that time off, you know, and um, I think it was like a week or two. It's just to trying to um, catch my breath and all of that kind of stuff. And I was able to finish the year out, but it is so important, right? To um, get the help that you need. That was the first time that I even um, sought out counseling as well. So around that time, I, I went and I actually physically um, sought a therapist that I could to, could go through. So I was thankfully, you know, God knows the end from the beginning. And so I was thankfully um, going to counseling, even when I was going through the issue with my divorce, and I had experience with counseling, even when my son passed away. And it was only because I reached out when my mom passed away. And I was, you know, just like I said, God knows, right? He yeah. knows what's going to happen. And, you know, he knows the end from the beginning. So um, not to say that my divorce or my son passed away did not affect me tremendously, Right. But I believe because I had already experienced counseling uh, on a, on certain levels, you know what I'm saying? I was better able to uh, and be equipped to 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 fight, you know what I'm saying, to fight and to recognize certain things for what it was. And so, yeah, yeah, that that was kind of my experience um, with losing my mom and having to go back to work and 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 it it really is the same for everything you know what i'm saying we pour from this empty cup and what we think of as cup it overflows right we we love to shout about the overflow of the cup but i believe you know that applies to the favor and the blessings of god but when we have that cup and it's empty right or let's change the narrative let's say the cup is full of those negative thoughts, those things that you are still holding on to, it's over that, yeah, it's overflowing, but it's negative. It's overflowing, but it's hindering you. It's overflowing, but it's beating you up on the inside. It's overflowing, but it's but you are silently, you're suffering in silence, right? And it's overflowing with all of these emotions and all of these issues that's going to turn into something else. So I just believe that, you know, whatever cup that we're holding, whatever cup that God gives us to hold, that he always gives us what we need to be able to hold it, right? And he's going to put the things in the cup that we need to not only to survive, but to thrive even through the loss, even through the, the pain, even through the trauma, even through the suffering, he will give us the things to put in the cup so that we can be sustained. I am so happy that you touched on 
our cups because that is a big what's the word the cup the imagery of the cup I don't know if it's an imagery analogy whatever you want to call it is very near and dear to me as well like I literally have a little cup tattoo on my ankle because it's such a powerful picture and it's it's easy you know you could talk about a cup to a little kid yeah so I just love it and that is one of the very things that when people ask me like oh why do you have a cup tattoo one of the things it's my cup overflows you know but also because of what you just said like we love to talk about overflowing with blessings but you gotta be I tell people you have to be intentional about filling your cup with good things because if not your cup is gonna be full but it might not be of what you want it to be (laughs) I'm so happy you said that and I want to shift gears on that note to your marriage now um, do you want to paint the picture around that? Like, how did y'all meet? What was the marriage like? And then, like, what the dismantling, as you said, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, we met as a blind date. I was set up on a blind date, right? It was an it was a knowingly blind blind date. Uh, two of our mutual friends. We didn't know each other but the mutual friends were together and they said, well, I got somebody for you to meet. And he told him the same thing. So we went out on this um, double date. It was a blind date. So that was the first time I seen him, the first time he seen me. And of course, you know, this back before cell phones and all that was prevalent. So, um, you know, um, so we, you know, so there was no social media to go to. I was going to say, you couldn't do the background okay. check. No, I couldn't <laughs> do the background check. I had to take my my friend's word for it, right? And so um, we got together and, um, you know, got married, had children, all of that. Um, I believe that God gives you indication of how to move forward, Right. And sometimes I believe that when he gives us the indication, we have to believe what he says. And when we don't believe what he says and we we don't adhere to what his instructions is, we'll get into things that was never ordained by him. And so what that means for me is, do I believe that we should have ever been married? Probably not. Um, Does that make, doesn't make anybody a bad person, right? That just may have not been the person for me. Um, And I kind of knew that and learned that even more deeply later on. So it it started, the marriage started, you know, it was okay. You know, we, we, we as kids, we always dream of the dream wedding and all this kind of stuff. We get engulfed into the planning and the wedding dress and the venue and all this kind of stuff, right? And so I did have a great wedding. And, um, you know, we started the marriage and everything. So it was probably about seven years in. It was probably about seven, eight years in where I really felt the decline of the marriage, right? And so it had gotten to be a point where 
we could not even talk to each other. You know what I'm saying? The disconnect in the marriage, the, the lack of communication that eventually led to infidelity, that eventually led to um, just not even caring, you know? That level of grief, I think it brought me to a uh, a place where I became emotionally unavailable. So, um, and what do I mean by that? It means that I was present, but I wasn't present. That I was, just like I was saying before, going through the motions, but not actually there. Even with me raising my children at the time, you know, the the demise of my marriage and what was going on with my marriage and and always trying to see where he at and you know all this kind of stuff what I call um uh, relationship investigations right mm -hmm. <laughs> it 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 broke me down so much that yes I was at every you know every event you know my children they were in band they were in orchestra they were in sports basketball volleyball all this kind of stuff right I never missed anything, you know, I never missed a recital, I never missed a game, I've never missed an award ceremony, any of that, but was I fully present? No, I wasn't, I wasn't fully present, because I was always engulfed in finding out the truth, and you know, and all this kind of stuff, right, and so I, I love God so much because again, this was a time, this was back when I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know I wasn't in church like I am now. I'm I wasn't um uh a firm, have firm faith like I do now. So a lot of the things that I went through back then, um, it really, really got me. It really got me because I had no foundation, had no firm foundation. And so at the time that it actually ended, you know, we always talk about the proverbial uh, straw that broke the camel's back, <laughs> the last straw, right? And the last straw, I, I said this on another broadcast, is that the last straw is that he called me thinking that I was the other woman. Yeah. I just rolled my oh, eyes if, for the people that are listening. Minute, we had a whole five minute conversation and he did not know it was me. And so that's why I love God because he always is going to show you even what you don't feel or want to see, right? Yeah. He's always going to provide you a way of escape. That's what the Bible says, that you are able to bear it. So I was able to bear that. And that was the, that was the straw. And so um, I kind of came out of that, even through that ginger, you know, me going to work. I remember one day I was so heartbroken, right? And I knew what the inevitable was. So from the time I felt like the, the seven, eight years that I felt that something is not going, mm-mm. It took me five years. It took me five years to get out. It took me five years to get out. Why? Because of my low self-esteem, because of, I felt like, you know, hey, we got kids here. 
I felt like I could not do it on my own, all this kind of stuff, right? All the while, God was telling me that I got you. So a lot of times we go through things and all God is saying is, I got you, right? I got you. Don't worry about, you know, what people are saying. Don't worry about, you know, how it looks on the outside. Just do what I ask you to do. So um, I remember going to work and I was just, I broke down. I left my classroom. I left my classroom and I went outside the door and I was just weeping. And my assistant principal came and because he, he, he either saw me or something, or maybe somebody went and said, Prince is out there crying. I don't know. But somehow he came out almost immediately and he asked me, you know, what was, you know, what can I do? And I just began to weep. And then I did something else. I went to, to the media center and now hear my principal come. So again, a lot of times, you know, I've been in the company of so many great leaders, right? In the school systems, here go my principal. And uh, he was saying the same thing. He was giving me some words of encouragement because I he was, a, at that time, he was a pastor himself, right? And so he, he began to pastoral care on me, right? <laughs> and so, you know, but, but again, um, going to work, just broken, going to work and just trying to make it, trying not that my students will see that I'm breaking down. It, it has a tremendous toll. It has a tremendous toll on you. The pretending it's in the pretending though, Ginger It's the pretending that will break you. Right. It's the, it's the, it's the place where you feel like you don't have nobody to talk to that will break you. And so that's another reason why, you know, we have to get therapy. We have to get the people around us, the, the right support system around us that can help us through the journey because we are not an island. No man is an island. We we cannot do this by ourselves. And, and, and you know, yes, we pray. Yes, we believe that God is going to gonna, gonna uh, bring us out of a situation, but we do the practical things here on earth and use the, the tools that God has given us, right, that, that will help us in the overall journey. So, you know, that's kind of how it was uh, in my marriage. It was just uh, um, uh, a thing. But again, I, I do believe that God always shows you even before you enter in. He always shows you before you enter in. And it's through our disobedience sometimes that we take the um, that we take the brunt of things that we didn't even have to go through. But I thank God for it all. See, the thing is, you don't live with regret. You, you, you thank God for every season. You thank God for everything. Why? Because if it was not from the marriage, there would be no one called Anthony Freeman. There will be no Anthony and Ayana, right? They're twins. My son that I lost had passed away. Ayana, they're twins. So there would be no Anthony and Ayana, right? There would be no DeAndrea, right? So I thank God even for the relationship, it might, it's going to be some kids, but it wouldn't have been them. 
You see what I'm saying? So I still thank God. I still thank God for what he's done in my life. The children that he has uh, given us, right? To steward over and nurture over their souls, right? I still thank God, right? For the good times that I had in my marriage, right? I can't say that every single day was, a it wasn't. We had some good times. We went on some good trips. We had some good vacation. We had some good laughs, right? But when grief comes and when it happens, you always have to remember the blessings in it, the blessings in it. And all those things that I just named were the blessings in it. I love that perspective. And it even just reminded me because I also know what it's like to go through a divorce and I know it's so easy to be like, well, he did this and he did that and this was bad. But you're right. There was so many good times. And I think that that's such a healthy perspective to be able to recognize both sides, the good and the bad, and to be thankful for those good memories. So thank you for saying that because, yeah, some, it's so easy to focus on the negative. It's so easy to place blame. But yeah. it's important to recognize the good as well and and that that those good memories they don't have to be erased or canceled out that no. they were good memories <laughs> they were blessings right. at the time so <laughs> yes thank you for saying that and back to the topic of divorce um how was the divorce process for you like and also did you file did he file what was it quick was it a long drawn out thing it was a headache it was it was it was too drawn out it was too drawn out it could have been very simple but it was too drawn out um we went to court twice we went to court twice um i did file of course i i, I filed um and it took a long time because, um, well, the, the the first thing that they asked you to do is see if you can do mediation or something like that. So um, we had a scheduled mediation. He did not show up for that. So we had to schedule for the court. Um, but it took a while to schedule for the court because um, he would never accept the, uh, you know how uh, the the either they're going to send it by the sheriff or they're going to do something like that to um, to make yeah, you sign sorry. for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so he never would accept it. He never was home or you no, know, never. They never could catch up with him. Okay. Yeah. And so um, they ended up calling him or writing him or something like that and, and told him that he had 30 days to, to, to or, or they had like two weeks to, to come and get it, right? So that, that was a whole like 60 days. So that's 60 days from when we could have went to uh, mediation, all of this. And so we went to the first court and um, we could have, it could have been settled. Um, but because of some of the things that I was asking for, um, the, the judge had leniency 
on him because he was saying that, you know, well, I think you need some representation. <laughs> we, we, none of us had lawyers or anything like that. I, I really wanted it to be civil and just, just get out. So we were scheduled for another court date because the judge said, you know, you need some representation. So we, so at the second court date, he did have representation. I didn't know, I did not know that he was going to be represented. He did not tell me that, share with that with me or anything like that. So I was blindsided going in there, but thankfully we were able to, um, to, um, to settle it at that time. You know what I'm saying? We should settle it that at that time and come to an agreement and all of that. Um, it still took a while. It should, you know, cause af after that, all it is, is just to file the final paperwork so that the judge can sign off. Well, Ginger, that was in like, um, 20, uh, 2013. It took until 2014 for them to send the paperwork so that the judge was signed. And the the judge, the court had to um, almost put sanctions in to say, you better file this paperwork by such such and, and get this off my, my desk or whatever. But it took uh, at least six, seven months, maybe eight months to from that last setting to get to a, me, a final decree um, to say that it, it had been finalized. So it took too long, way too long to, it could have been a very, very simple process, but um, because of, you know, certain tactics and things like that, it, it just kept going, you know, getting drawn out. And so, um, but, you know, it is what it is. And, um, you know, um, I just would say, to anybody that don't 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 make it more than what it is you know don't make it more than what it is it brings a whole nother level of grief when you prolong what the inevitable will be anyway you know what i'm saying um when i believe when a relationship comes to an end it don't have to be any harm you know, it don't have to be, we had children, you know what I'm saying? We had children, all that. So, you know, I'm not trying to be nobody's enemy. And I believe that when you do have children, that's not the goal. But the goal is to be civil enough that you all can come to an agreement in a timely manner so that you can go on with your life. You know what I'm saying? That both of you can go on with your life and be able to thrive in it. You know what I'm saying? So um, that it was way too long, Ginger, way too long, but it don't have to be that way. It don't have yeah. to be that way. <laughs> yeah. And I am, I'm believing that I'm at the end of my divorce process. So I definitely plan on talking about it more because I don't, not it's not something that we like to talk about. You know, it's not like, oh yeah, let me go listen to something on divorce. But it's important because 
like I, we don't talk about it. So there's a lot of lack of knowledge or even for somebody who might be in the beginning of their divorce and wondering what's this going to be like? How do I go through it? And oh, yeah. if I could go back in time to before I got married, I think I would tell myself, like, listen, you it's a, you can get married real quick. OK, got the yeah. license and got married in the same day. But yeah. that divorce process is not going to be as quick. Oh, right, right. <laughs> I think somebody needs to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you have children and houses and, you know, whatever you have together, anything that you accumulate together, it makes the process longer. But again, the process don't have to be long at all. It can be as quick as you all make it, just like a marriage can be. But I just I find that sometimes uh, depending on, you know, what the, you know, the mental and emotional space of the relationship is, that sometimes people want to make it difficult and it doesn't have All to right, be. All right, y'all. So I'm going to cut it here, but make sure you come back next week because we're going to get into the story behind her losing her son and the tangible advice of how do we get back up from grief how do we handle those difficult dates when that the anniversary of the death comes around and so much more so make sure you come back next week thanks for listening